Isn't worship awesome? It puts you in the right. It puts you in the right frame of mind. In fact, while Rachel's passing out because of the lesson I'm going to be teaching tonight, Gina had asked me to teach on a chart that we've been learning in discipleship. So as she's passing around, I'm actually going to tell a little funny story about myself. When I was younger, um, I used to get up in the middle of the night, cross my legs, sit on the bottom bunk because there was four of us girls, and so we all shared bunks, in, you know, in a room. And I would just rock and sing. And I used to think that was pretty weird. But I would do it all through my childhood when nobody was around or nobody was looking. And um, I remember I feared going away to college because I loved that time of, like, listening to a really good love song and just belting it out and singing it. But I didn't even know what I was doing. And even when I got married, I was worried, like, hey, I love sitting and rocking in my bed and singing out a love song, you know. But you can't do that. You know, people would think you're strange. And then I came to this ministry and learned that, hey, I was worshiping the whole time. <laughs> Worship was already in me. Worship's in all of us. It's already in us all to worship and sing out that love unto the, unto the um, Father. So it's a beautiful thing. All right. Does everybody have a sheet? Everybody does? Okay. In discipleship, um, we have been learning about how to walk in the ways of God. And you know what? As we grow up and um, as Christians and we mature in this journey of faith, growing from, you know, faith to faith, we learn how to pray more. We learn how to worship more. We learn more about the word. And then we start changing and we change from the inside out. Well, the beautiful thing about this ministry is we are a ministry to help people grow up from the elementary principles of Christ and move into the maturity that each and all and every single one of us has been called to walk in. And, you know, it takes it's it's advancing the kingdom of God within us. So I love that one song where it says, you know, angels of winds and, you know, his servants are flames of fire, that when we all come together, we all have our part in maturing the body of Christ and putting them in position to where they need to be so we can all mature into that glorious sons and daughters of God. And man, whenever, when you start understanding we're supposed to be a glorious son and daughter of God, there's an energy, that spirit in you that wants to get you there. You want to get there. So we're going to teach a chart tonight on how do we get on that path? How do we stay on that path? And I don't know if many of you have been, raise your hand if you've been discipling. Everybody in here is a regular, pretty much. If you've been discipling, this is what the chart looks like. <laughs> okay? This is what the chart looks like. It's a lot. Right, Dr. Lee? Dr. Lee got the chart. You got it on Monday. You've seen the chart there before. Yeah. But with all the little right and everything. Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, as I've been meeting with a couple people, they said, this is a lot. And Wendy, was, Wendy even said to me, this is a lot to take in. So what I'm going to do is I graduated. Uh, oh, there's a perfect. That, that's excellent. I am actually going to teach this tonight in a simplistic way. And I'm going to go and revert back to my elementary teaching school days. And um, so I kind of drew the chart a little bit more simplistic and a way that we can walk out and learn this. Because the purpose of this chart, it says on the top, we are advancing the kingdom of God from within. How are we doing that? Through death, burial, and resurrection. So we've got to learn what it means to die to ourselves, bury the old man, and then resurrect that new man, okay? And the only way to do that is with a relationship with God. 
But you know, God has steps for us to take. He has ways for us to know what's going on around us while we're going through the process. I mean, if you really, when you start learning this chart, you start laughing at yourself from the old man where God was trying to show you that he was there. He was trying to teach you a way. You just didn't have what? Your weapons of warfare. We didn't have the knowledge of the word. We didn't have these things to help us now understand it. And, you know, this is an awesome chart because it really does help us. We're going to pull up a simplistic start of this chart. All right. Okay. (laughs) So I took out things. Okay. And I started with just the main path. Okay. I thought it was good. Let me remove some of the things. And, you know, the Lord put it in my heart to say it like this. There are going to be, there are going to be certain areas we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the plan. We're going to talk about how we know we know we're in the plan. And then we're going to talk about what do we need to do in the plan? And then what can hold us back from the plan? Okay, because that's what this chart teaches. This chart teaches us how to advance. So we have to even know that we we have a plan of God already preordained for each and every one of us. Everybody has a plan that God has in them. That has to come up to maturity so that he can use it. And, you know, the first thing he shows us in the plan, you know, is that we, he will be the one to be the starter and the finisher of our faith. He will be the one to start the plan. He will even show us what the end of that plan might look like. But on the in-between, we've got to know how to get there, but not of ourselves. We have to do it with with God. And you can only have a relationship to help you do that, to get you through that. So the plan, I love this. Gene has been talking about these words. These words are very regular and they're things that we need to think about. Order, instruction, accountability, and discipline. Do you know all of that is God's love? He put this in. This all this is all backed up by the word. He put this in place to show us his what? Love. And in that, we learn his love. We learn to grow in his love, and we learn to mature. So we're going to start off with, and we'll go back to this chart. I'm going to go back and forth from scripture in this chart. I would first like to start with Hebrews 12, 1, 2. And if you have a Bible, you know, you might want to read, you know, actually, I'm, I am going to take you back on another one. Let's start with, um, let's start with 1 Corinthians 4, 20. All right, 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God consists of and is based, it is based on not talk, but power. All right, so there's a power that's in the plan of God. It is a moral power and the excellence of soul. Now, isn't that interesting? So there's a moral power and the excellence of our soul. Do you know our soul has to be renewed in the plan of God? Because we grow up not understanding things, but we've got to get into this word so our soul can get renewed into the excellence of God's thinking, into the excellence of God's character. So for the kingdom of God consists of and is based on not talk, but power. Hebrews 6.1. It says, 6.1, therefore, let us go on and get past the elementary stage in the teaching and doctrine of Christ, the Messiah. 
advancing steadily towards the completeness and perfection that belong to spiritual maturity. Let us not again be laid the foundation of repentance and abandonment of dead works, dead formalism, and of the faith by which you turn to God. And what this is saying is we all, everybody in here is a born-again Christian. We've come to Christ. We've accepted him in our heart. We knew that that meant we had to what? Change. And when we heard that word repentance, when I heard that word and the understanding of that, that that meant to what? Change my mind. Change my thinking. I was a lot more surrendered to learn more. And you know, we have to get past the elementary of, I I had somebody come to me. I, I think I was saved this time, this time, and this time. Am I really saved? <laughs> it was Christopher. Chris is saying that was me. <laughs> and so we had to get past the elementary stage of Christopher saving himself many times over and over again. Okay? Now Christopher came into here, and once he realized he was saved, because he was saved when he walked in the door, but he had to understand that he didn't stay in that cycle of every time he fell, he had to, you know, go back and ask God in his heart again. No, he's there. He's in your heart. Now he had to work about how to what? Grow up towards the completeness, perfection that belongs to spiritual maturity. And that's what we've all got to do is be open eyed, open eared, open heart to just changing to mature spiritually. Let us not again be laying the same foundation over and over again. Praise God. You know if you have been saved because you are not, you do not fear death. You don't fear where you're going. You know when somebody says to you, well, if you die tomorrow, do you know you go to heaven? Well, if that's a question, then that's something. When I asked Chris that, he was like, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Okay, Chris, and we don't have to talk about this. We're going to move on that elementary principle, and now we're going to advance on to, into the ma- spiritual maturity because we can never be whole, never be happy, never be to our fullness if we don't start maturing spiritually. And it's awesome. That's why I love this chart because we're all in different positions, and every person on that chart needs everybody in this room. We all are needed. All right. Let's go to verse Hebrews 12, 1, 2. Hebrews 12, 1, 2. Hebrews 12, 1, 2 says, Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, I call this a cloud of witness. I call everybody in here, we're a cloud of witness. So great a cloud of witness who have borne testimony to the truth. I can be in a room full of 10 people and they're all going to be in different positions of Christ. But everyone has what? A testimony, something that bears truth to one of God's principles, one of the things that he wants to mature us spiritually in. There are so many dynamic principles of God that none of us are fully matured in any of them. So we need that cloud of witness, that born testimony to the truth. Let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance. And un- which what is an encumbrance? An unnecessary weight. And that sin which so readily, defily, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance, the steady and active persistence, the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Todd, take me back to that screen of the course, of the, my empty, um, the empty, 
I love this. This is the course, okay? When we get saved and our spirit gets regenerated, we have to know that there's an end to the race. It's the end of our faith, receiving the promise of the word that we were meditating on, receiving what? Our salvation. You know, this is exciting. God already tells us the end before the beginning. In fact, I love this chart right here because when I came to this ministry, I didn't understand these charts. This chart I looked at and then the Lord showed it to me in a vision and he said, you're to help my people claim this cup. And this is the cup of salvation. We are to claim the cup of salvation. When we claim the neck of that cup, can everybody see that vision? When we claim the neck of this cup, we are changed. Do you know in a, in a, in a race or in, when you receive a trophy, aren't you excited when you receive, like, it looks, some of them look like cups? Like even in, um, what's it, in tennis, Wimbledon, they get a big what? They get the victor's cup, you know, and then they drink from that cup. People pour stuff in it and they drink from the cup. Even in, isn't, doesn't hockey have a cup? Okay, right? Am I right on that? Okay, yeah, they have the cup. So we are to claim this cup. And that is, it is, we get crowned with authority. Kingdom life, an enlarged place. Love, faith, and hope rule. Not anymore the under things of hurts, fears, unforgiveness, offenses, hurts. We move on from that. And we start growing up in our spiritual maturity. So we're called to claim, everybody in here, it's called to claim that cup. So this is the race that we are enduring. We, after we get born again, we have to now get to that promise. We have to receive the promise of the word of God. And that's where the power is. It's not in talk. It's in what? Power. The power is in his word, not what we can come up with ourselves. Please go back to that verse. Thank you. All right. So let us run with patient endurance. Steady and active persistence, the appointed course. There's an appointed course. There's an appointed time that we all experience when God opens these doors for our understanding. Please go to the next, yeah, continue to the next slide. Todd told me, read the bottom corner. All right, it says, looking away from all that will distract. So we look away from the things that distract and we focus on who? Jesus, who is the leader. He is the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief. Because he was what? He was the firstborn of God. We're after him. So that's our brother. We are the, he was the firstborn of God. And is also the finisher, bringing to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize, Obtaining the what? Crown of authority, sitting at the right hand of God. For obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, endured his crucifixion, endured his walk, despised and ignored the shame that he experienced. And is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We are all to be going up to heaven and sitting on that right hand with Jesus. There isn't anybody in here who's not supposed to obtain that crown of authority. But we have to what? Endure the race. We have to what? Deal. We have to walk and bear our own cross. 
We have to what? Despi- we have to despising and ignoring the shame of the things that we have to experience. Isn't that powerful? That's love because he sent his own son to go through it. So we had an example. So we can what? Claim the cup of salvation, which is the salvation of our soul, renewing this mind. Isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful. And all through the word, he teaches us the things that are going to happen to us while we do it. That's what we're going to keep adding to the chart. Awesome. Luke 16, 16. Luke 16, 16. Luke 16, 16 says, until John came, John the Baptist, there were the law and the prophets. So before John the Baptist came and announced Jesus, there were laws and prophets. Since then, the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone strives violently to go in, would force his own way rather than God's way into it. Okay, you know, we have to take the kingdom of God by force but not by force of the world. We can't make it happen. We just have to be in agreement to it. The more we gain knowledge of Christ and we understand this path we have to walk out, we just have to be what? In agreement. And then our spirit shows us the way. He shows us how to get through this. We don't have to, we don't have to learn the rules and then try to make those things happen to us. Robin was a perfect testimony. She knew something was changing in her life. She decided it was her apartment. It wasn't her apartment. It was something else. So what did she start working at? Finding an apartment. But that's not what she was supposed to do. But once she realized, it was awesome how she realized it. God already showed me I'm not supposed to get another apartment. But she what? She had to what? Go through it. Reel herself back in on the path. Okay, raise your hand if you've had to do that. Yeah, we all have to do that. That's why I laugh. Because every time I get off the path and then I got to reel myself back in and then I look at what I just did, I start laughing because it's like, I know, I should have known that. But this is what maturity is. Maturity is going through the rotation, going through the experience so many times, you're going to learn how to reel yourself back tonight. So isn't that awesome? So it was first with the law and the prophets, which we have to respect the law of the Old Testament. But then... The gospel of the kingdom of God is being preached. Everyone strives, wants to strive for it because that's how good it is. Praise God. All right, so let's go back now to the the chart. Let's go back to the, excellent. All right, does everybody have that in front of you? Awesome. All right, when we look at the spirit, when we're saved, the spirit, regenerated spirit enters into us. Then as we start moving in faith, which I'm going to read these scriptures, now we have to do the renewing of our soul because our soul used to think one way and now it's got to change to think another way. And the example I'm going to use tonight is debt. Debt is going to be my example because we are not called to owe any man but to love them. And I know a lot of people have debt and that's okay. I came into this ministry with debt. I have no debt now. Because I put it in my spirit, put something in my heart to have no debt. But I had to renew my what? Soul and understanding. Why? Because I always grew up, everybody always what? 
had debt. I remember, I remember when the MasterCard came out in the 70s. It was a really pretty gold card. It was exciting. I remember when the word Visa came out. And that, I mean, really, what, that was about the late 70s, early 60s. I, I really do remember when credit cards came out and it made people borrowing money what? So much easier. Because they didn't have to have the cash in their hand. They could just swipe the card. Am I right on that, Dennis? Was it the 70s when that started, that whole big phase? I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, I was a little kid, but I remember how excited it was. Hey, a piece of plastic, no money, you know? All right. So our soul has to now be renewed through our intellect. That means we have to be able to hear the word. I'm going to read the verses. But then we have to be able to choose God's way, not our way. And then we have to deal with our emotions and fears of trusting that word. This is where learning and trust gets really established. Then once that word becomes so grounded, then the love of God can press it through. So we have to first be born again. Our soul has to now be renewed. And then God puts us in a what? A rest. You know, that rest. I've never heard about the rest. But he puts us in this rest. And that, that is a fascinating place to be. Okay? So I'm going to pause on that. And then once we pass through the rest and we've passed all the tests and we've got that word, it will never leave us. Then God then gives us what we've been desiring because he knows we'll never abuse it. That's awesome. So turn to verse. We're going to turn to verse. John 3, 5. John 3, 5. John 3, 5 says, Jesus answered, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, unless a man is born of water and even the spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. So if you have not been born, which everybody in here has been born of water, everybody has been born from their mom, right? You've come through your, the, the womb, right? But then born of the spirit, born again. You have to be born again to understand this and to be able to receive it and understand it in your heart. Okay? So it says here, water and the spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. Have you ever talked to a lost person about the kingdom of God and they don't understand one word you're saying? They can't because they haven't been brought into the kingdom yet. You know, we, that's one of our responsibilities as Christians is to help bring people to that first elementary position, bringing them into the kingdom of God. And then they start learning. All right, next verse. Um, we need to go to, please, Romans 8.16. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit himself, I love this, The Spirit himself testifies together with our own spirit that we are children of God. When I start talking about this, it should be hitting what? Your spirit. It should be coming in agreement, in alignment. Hey, I'm a child of God because I'm getting this. When you get taught something, your intellect has to what? Reason with it. But if you're a child of God, it connects with your spirit and you just automatically know, hey, this is what I'm supposed to do. I loved Mason's testimony when he heard a, a, an inner witness tell him, go buy that box, you know? And then he was walking away and it was, what did you say about holding your handle? It was like shocking because he's a child of God. So he heard that instruction. But then his witness had to what? Bear witness of it. And then he actually had to what? Do it. Okay. Because 
the Holy Spirit's instructions don't always make sense to us, but we've got to do it. All right. So I love this. So I, the spirit himself, Jesus Christ testifies together with our spirit. We are never alone walking on this earth because if we have the spirit in us there, he is trying to connect with us in it. So it's like, we all have this. I remember seeing a vision in worship where I was standing there and there was this, there was like, it was like an umbilical cord. It was a silver lining. The Lord showed me and it's attached to me. Right. And so everywhere I walk, the silver lining is connected to me, trying to funnel into me, into my spirit, what he's asking me to do, what he wants me to do, what he's guiding me into. Isn't that powerful? I had to realize I am never alone. And that was hard for me. That's the one thing. I actually got married when I was young because I didn't want to be what? Alone. But someone was talking to me. (laughs) So was I ever really alone? No. But when I understood about the Holy Spirit being in me and I had that little connector, I was like, wow, I'm never alone. Like, I'm never alone. I always have. We are always together. Me, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God. It's about reconnecting this relationship back to God. All right, let's go to verse Hebrews 12, 27, 28. All right, so now... That's the spirit. That's the first base that we've got to deal with. Everybody in here, I know everybody in here, you've all dealt with that what? First base. So this is a great teaching night because everybody's already in the kingdom of God. The second base was the soul. Hebrews 12, 27, 28 says, Now this expression yet once more indicates the final removal and transformation of all that can be shaken. That is, of that which has been created in order, I love that word order, In there is an order, in order that what cannot be shaken may remain and continue. Do you know that once our soul now starts to get renewed, all these thoughts and things and feelings and everything that's been put in our mind, it's going to experience the removal and transformation of the mind. It has to be what? Shaken. It says that it can be shaken. That is of that which has been created. Do you know we're going to believe in two creations? We're either going to believe in the creator, it says it in Romans, or we're going to believe in a what? A creature. So we start creating things in our soul and what we believe but we've got to believe in what? The creator, all right? And so that is of which has been. So there's, we have two thoughts in our mind. There are thoughts that we're learning of God, but then there's ways that we think that we should believe. So we have, to, we have to land in that belief, the renewing of the soul. In order, because if you can't, if you're not willing to connect and be in agreement that you have to transform this mind, well, the order's out of place. It's out of place. You, when you accept Christ in your heart and he says he's the author and the finisher and this Holy Spirit's going to guide you now, all right, you've got to learn to yield to it. You can't now live the other life. You can't live what the old man used to do because in order that what cannot be shaken may m- remain and continue. So all the changes that are going to happen in the renewing, only thing that's going to remain is what was originally what? of God. So there are things that we already know and that are in us that are of God and that we apply and we live. Let us therefore receive a kingdom. So we have to what? Receive the kingdom. Receive a kingdom that is firm and stable and cannot be shaken. 
That is the power. Is the word that we stand on or the word that God gives us, there is more power in that word than our talk, than our old way of thinking. There is more power in having no debt than there is having a pile of debt. When I learned that I am to have no debt, and when I learned that and I committed that unto the Lord, he says, Lee, I'm going to clear your debt in one year. But he said, I'm going to have to do it in his what? Order. And then I'm going to have to listen to his instruction. And then I was going to have to be accountable to all those movements. And then if I messed up, I experienced what? The discipline, the getting back in line to it. But I didn't cry over it anymore. I mean, I cried. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Gene saw me cry a lot. Everybody saw me cry a lot my first two years here. But now I don't cry anymore. Now I laugh because I get it. I'm good for the hand slapping. I'm good for the correction because I know I'm getting back on the path faster. Because he says, I want to receive what? A kingdom that is firm and stable. If that word is more firm and stable than what I used to believe in my soul, the Lord has taught me through several rotations of this that that word is more stable than I am. So stand on that word. Let that word become me. Don't let me decide what I'm going to do. All right? So we are receiving a kingdom that is firm and stable and cannot be shaken. Offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with modesty and poised care and godly fear and awe. I love this. God not only tells us that we're going to be shaken, but he also reminds us that to receive the kingdom... Now we have to offer to God. We have to offer something up to God through our soul. And he tells us we have to offer pleasing service. Pleasing service is what he instructs us to do, not what we want to do. How many times have people served doing things that, oh, well, I'll just give you an example. I love my brother, but he goes to the Catholic church. And he says to me all the time, hey, Lee, I love going to church on Sunday. I said, why? And he says, because I write a check, it makes me feel better. <laughs> and then I, once I, at first I wouldn't have understood that. But now I kind of giggle at that because he's doing it to do what? Make himself feel better. Sometimes we go and do things to make ourselves feel better. When God is saying, he says, offer to God pleasing surface, something that he's wanting you to do. Acceptable worship. He wants us to worship him. With modesty and poised care and godly fear and all. You know, we're, we, we know we need to be worshiping. So praise God. Isn't that awesome? Okay. So that is talking about, go back to the, go back to the spot. We're going to go back to that little. So in that, that's what the soul is all about. All right. Now we're going to go to verse Matthew 28, 29. We're going to talk about rest. So these verses have to do with rest. Matthew 28, 29. It probably says Matthew 29. You don't have that? Matthew 28 and 29. You don't have it? Oh, I'm sorry. Matthew 28. Yeah. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. I'm sorry. My fault. All right. I love this. When we, so we're, we have our spirit. We're now dealing with our soul being transformed by the word of God. When we have accepted, again, we have to accept, you know, our appointed times. When we accept this transformation and knowing that this has to be done, God then says, I'm now going to put you in a 
rest, okay? And the Lord says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and are overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your soul. So the moment we come into agreement that we have to what? Change this mind. This mind needs to be renewed by the word. He wants us to enter into a rest, a place where we are studying the word. We are worshiping. We are focusing on him, but we're not focusing on what? Or anything in our surroundings. Okay. But the hardest thing we have is staying in that rest. And we're going to talk about what gets us out of that rest. 29, 11, 29. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest, relief and ease and refreshment and recreation and blessed quiet for your souls. Now, isn't it? So the purpose of the rest is to rest your what? Soul. Stay in that word of God. Don't get your, he's already going to shake up your soul internally because you're going to have to exchange your thinking. But then he puts you in a rest and says, I'm going to what? I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about what you wear. You don't have to worry about your money. You don't have to worry about anything in that rest unless you come out of agreement of the rest. Do you know when we come out of the agreement, we can invite in a lot of things. And I'm going to show that on the chart. But I want you to know how important that rest is. That rest is so important. Awesome. Praise God. Exodus 33, 14. Exodus 33, 14. Exodus 33, 14 says, and the Lord said, my presence shall go what? With you and I will give you rest. So even though you are not perfected, even though you haven't received the promise of that word, he already tells you that his presence will go with you. Now, isn't that awesome? You can't go wrong if God's presence with you. And then if you accept that rest, he says, I'm going to really, I'm going to give you this rest. I'm going to ease your soul. I'm going to refresh you. But he doesn't want you to what? Worry. Because he has a word. And word in Matthew, and I think it's 6, 25 through 30, it tells us we are not to worry. We are not to have anxiety. You know, it's funny when I met Wendy, I do have to tell this. We go on this car ride to go to the store, and I knew I had very little gas, okay? There was no gas, <laughs> right? But I, I, believe, I believe in the power, right? So I was like, we're going to make it to this gas station. It was three miles down the road. Well, we died. And then I was like, Wendy, can you believe with me that this car is going to start back up and we're going to make it? And she's like, yeah, 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 sure. She's just starting to come to the ministry, right? And I said, believe with me, Wendy. We're going to believe. And so she said, finally said, yes, as she's looking through her purse for anxiety pills. Right. Well, anyway, right. There's no rest here. There was no rest over on this end. I just was like, okay, Lord, just, you know, prove yourself to Wendy. Right. What happened? The car started right back up. We started riding down. We went two miles out of her mouth. She says, it's going to die. We are not going to make it. The moment she broke that in the spirit, guess what happened? My car, I pulled over. And here, I already pulled over once the car was dead. And trust me, I've been without gas, so I know what it's like. My car is dead when it's dead. But see the awesome thing? She was learning, and I was like, wow, Wendy's going to have to learn to get into her rest, which means don't worry about it all. And I didn't worry about it. Eddie came, Eddie came and saved us, gave me gas, and, you know, I didn't worry at all. Did I worry? No, it, it drove her crazy. Aren't you worried? 
not worried at all. I was, and she's popping her anxiety pills. She has been delivered from these anxiety pills. But I loved it because I was like, wow, there's gonna be a lot of work that's gonna be done with Wendy. <laughs> because I already, have, I, I already got to a point where I believed that I am safe. If I know to stay in that rest, where are we? Safe. We are safe because God's not gonna let anything bad happen to us. If he knows that we're willing to stay in the rest, we're going to get to that promise faster. We're not going to get diverted from it. All right, so praise God. So does everybody understand that? Go back to the chart now. So does everybody understand this path? You understand that first base is spirit. We've got to hit the understanding that there's got to be a renewing of the soul. Boom. We have to know that this rest is where we what? Heal. We start experience healing, trusting God and not ourselves. Okay? And then we're going to receive. All right, but there's a force that pushes us to each base. There's a force that pushes us to each base. And you know what? It is an important key to everything we do. And that key is faith. There are three types of faith we experience in this. Saving faith. Before, when we accept Christ in our heart, we have to believe the saving faith that says we can renew this soul. Then once the soul's renewed, now we have to believe in a different type of faith. A faith that puts us in Rest, that is, and that is the hardest one for people to stay in. And then when you have been tested, approved by God, and the word is never going to leave you, then there is a faith that's called action. That means things start happening, and you're just following the instruction of God because he's about to what? He's about to give you something. He's about to, you're about to receive something from God. All right, so the first saving faith Go to verse Romans 1, 17. Now I'm going to teach you about faith, really basic things about faith. Romans 1, 17. You have that, Todd? Romans 1, 17. It says, now this is awesome. I'm not using every scripture Gene has on the chart that we're learning in discipling. I picked highlighted scriptures to simplify this. Romans 1, 17 says, for in the gospel... A righteousness which God ascribes is revealed. A righteousness. You know, we've got to come into right standing with God. I loved how he says this, which God ascribes is revealed, both springing up from faith and lending to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. So there's a saving faith that enters into us, and then it what? It arouses us to go to that what? Next faith of rest. The next faith of action. It starts building into us. Because he says, we will spring forth in this faith. But God has to be revealed through this. All right? So it's disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. So to hit all those bases, you have to be pressing in what? Faith. He, and he says, it will increase. It will increase in you. It will arouse you to know that you are saved, that you're to be in arrest, that you're to move in action. All right, does everybody understand that? Okay, awesome. Let's go to, so Romans ten seventeen. How does faith get aroused? It says, faith comes by what? We hear this all the time. Hearing. 
Okay? Faith comes by hearing what is told. Now, I love that because we grow up and we're told what? To do other things that are not of God. But we heard them and we do them. And then we start believing in those things. So faith comes by hearing. And what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ, the Messiah himself. So in all these steps, as faith is being increased, we have to be what? Hearing. We're going to be hearing. We have to hear the word of God. It has to be spoken out of the lips. If we're reading in the word, we need to read it what? Out loud. Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6 says, and now this is faith in rest. Faith in rest says, but without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seeking. You know what happens in the rest when we get out of it? We really don't what? We really have a measure of what? Not believing. There is a measure. We're growing and learning to trust this word. We're growing to learn to believe in this word. When we are in the rest, we have to know it's impossible to please God unless we are standing and believing in this word. But how do we get lured out? In our disbelief, in our unbelief. And when we're not sure that we really believe during that time, because we're still what? Growing into maturity. We're still growing into that maturity. All right. So it says, he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him. When you're in the rest, you're to be doing what? Earnestly, diligently seeking him, worshiping him, praying, studying, growing. Because he already says, if you do that, what's he going to do? Give you a rest. He's going to what? Protect you. You're going to be safe during that time. You've got to believe during the rest he's got you covered. Now, how? I know I didn't believe it at first in the beginning. My first rotation of this, I wasn't sure about this rest, but I didn't even understand it. Raise your hand if you have felt like in the rest, you've abandoned your rest. Right? It's normal. It's not bad if you go through that. We abandon the rest because... Either we fall out of earnestly and diligently seeking him, and then when we start getting away from him, we start what? Disbelief starts setting in. Because we can't do it. Only he can do it. He gives us that faith. We just have to read that word, confess that word, and start letting ourselves become that word. And then that's that's when we receive. So it's beautiful. Go to, would be excellent, thank you, Todd, to Exodus 14, 13, 14. Exodus 14, 13, 14. It says, Moses told the people, because this is what happens in the rest. Moses told the people, fear not. Stand still, firm, confident, undismayed, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. In the rest, you don't have to do anything except for stand on that word. I mean, and we start doing things. You know, I love it when, when, if anytime Jean prays or someone says you're entering into your rest, stand on that word. Don't try to make decisions. Don't make choices. Wait on the Lord. Diligently seek him during that time because he says you're not to fear. You are just to stand still 
be firm and confident that he, that you're going to see that salvation of the Lord, that he's going to do it, which he will work for you today. How many people believe that they're not to be in debt? Okay, good. And how many people believe they're going to be out of debt this year? Excellent. Because you just have to wait on God's instruction during this. If you've got the order in place, you're born again. You're renewing your soul. You're going to enter the rest. Then let him start moving the things around you. Because he says he's going to do it. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you shall never see again. That means there are people, the Egyptians are the ones who what? Lived in, lived in sin. They, they were the one, they were in debt, right? That you have seen today, you shall never see again. That means once you actually experience him, you're never going back. I'm never getting, I'm never getting in debt. Not having debt. The Lord will what? Fight for you. And I love his promises. You shall hold your peace and remain at what? Rest. Isn't this awesome? So if we just believe in the word that we're not to have any debt, and we believe in that instruction and we actually do it, who wins? He does. Not what we can do. It's the power in what he did. And then we go, oh my God, God is real. (laughs) And then you start going through another cycle and your rest gets shorter and shorter because you stand on the power, not your thinking, not your words. Isn't this powerful? Is everybody getting this? So this is a path. This is God's way. This is the way he wants us to walk. All right, praise God. So now we understand the spirit. We understand the soul. We understand the rest. We understand the different types of faith, but there's one more faith. So now when we have that faith that rests, and we have proven ourselves and, you know, I mean, and we don't have to prove ourselves because he does it all, but we do have to prove that we stand on his word. So if we do that instruction, now this is what will happen. We move into faith that is action. Hebrews 11.33. This is faith that has action. We're, now we're going to talk about this. Hebrews 11.33 says... Isn't that a pretty chart? Okay. Ele- Hebrews 11.33 says, Who, by the help of faith, subdued kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promised blessings, closed the mouth of lions. So if you take that faith that's in rest, you are going to subdue kingdoms, administer justice, obtain promised blessings, and close the mouth of lions. That You know what? When you stand in that, and then now it's time for you to move, people aren't going to talk about it. They're going to be what? In shock. People aren't going to talk about what you're going through. They're, they're probably going to tell you you're crazy. But when they see you receive the promise, I know that everything that I've received, the promise of God in these past couple of years, and I've stood on this rotation, people have gone. They have nothing to say. Because God gave, he brought the promise. So it's awesome. James 2.17, faith in action. James 2.17. So also faith, if it does not have what? Works, deeds, and actions of obedience to back it up. By itself is destitute, 
of power, inoperative, dead. So what we're saying, what it's saying here, if the action, the deeds and the actions of obedience is standing on the word that you're, that you're praying on and the word that you're getting renewed on, but then you have to fear not the obedience of what? Stand still. Don't do anything. Wait for his instruction, but it will be from him. It won't be of your own flesh. Okay. Isn't that awesome? So now faith is an action and something has to happen because the Lord already said that if we do it, there's no power, but if he does it and we stand on it and not fear, there's power. All right. Praise God. Does everybody understand the faith, how faith moves us? First, we have to believe in faith, saving faith. Then we have to believe that in faith, that is impossible to please him until we get into our what? Rest. Then we get into the faith of action, the faith that moves us to overcome, that moves us to yield to the obedient instruction. And then he has to what? He has to give us the promise. All right, so everybody's an understanding. All right, now we're going to the next phase of the picture because the question that I asked myself was, how do we know that we know what this plan really is? So I got the way. We just went over the way. We're going to go to the next one of these. Now I'm going to add color. Okay. I got, uh, it's blue, but it's color. Okay. All right. So now we know the order in which we have to get through, but that doesn't mean it's completely easy. We need help, right? So how do we know we know the plan? Well, the first witness, we get the first witness of the plan. When I came over and I had to come to this ministry, something in me had to bear witness that I was supposed to do that. So the first witness is Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Through your Holy Spirit, you either sense something inside, you know you're supposed to do something, something moves you, okay? But it comes from within inside, okay? You hear that tiny, still voice. I love, there's a good example. I've known Reem Emerson for a long time, and Rima heard an instruction that she was to move on from one job, right? You heard that instruction, but she already knew it where first. She knew it in her heart. She already, the spirit already said, you're not going to be at this job for much longer. All right? So she knew that. But how many years, how many years have you known that? A year and a half. She had to sit in a long rest here, right? But she had to know that she heard the first witness which entered into her spirit all right that's the first witness so the first witness it's you know it it's already in your spirit and you know what there's times that when you're young in the lord you don't really you get confused sometimes of what you know but if you if you worship him and spend time deep down you know something and you know it you know when i lived with a man unmarried i knew deep down i probably Shouldn't do that, but I created my own world. And then God let me go off on a tangent and he pulled me right back in when that was done. Okay. But I love this. How many of us have made a wrong step and we kind of knew inside that God was speaking to us? God put that right in here. But because I didn't commune with God, guess what? I couldn't do what with it? I couldn't discern it. I couldn't figure it out. Is this God? Was I even asking if it was God at that time? Probably not because I was so in my 
flesh. We get into our flesh. Our flesh takes over. All right, second witness. The second witness comes, which is, is, let me find my little chart here. Okay, the second witness comes, and it comes to our soul. All right, we hear a voice. Something comes, and it bears witness to what God has already shown in our spirit. So the second witness enters in as our soul is being renewed. Okay, and as our soul is being renewed... Go to 2 Corinthians 13.1. Our soul is learning to discern the things of God. 2 Corinthians 13.1. It says, now see, this is the word. The word tells us that we walk by witness. It says, this is the third time I have coming to you. By the testimony of two or three witnesses, must any charge... And every accusing statement be sustained and confirmed. All right. So when you know something deep down that you're supposed to do something, and you know it deep here, the Lord already tells us there's going to be a what? A first, I mean a second, and a third witness. And something's going to be said to you that it's going to confirm what you already did. Rima, can you remember the voice that said to you? Okay. Right. So that's how the Spirit talked to you. Right? Okay. Oh, you got, okay. So it's always going to come through something, confirm it. It could be a prophet. It could be a word from a prophet. It could be a stranger that comes up and says something to you and you go, oh my gosh. Because they wouldn't know what's in your, what's in you. That's why it says as we walk this path out, we are to walk in quietness, humbleness. Because we don't want to let everybody know because we don't want to invite familiar spirits. We keep it in our heart so that we know we know when we receive the witness, we're not deciding to do something in our flesh. But it says, by the testimony of two or three witnesses, must any charge and every accusing statement be sustained and confirmed. Don't move until you receive the witnesses. And it says two or three. So you don't move on the second witness because the second witness, come back to the chart. Thank you. The second witness comes when your soul's being renewed. So sometimes we can't trust our second witness because we haven't entered our what? Rest. So the second witness comes before we enter into that rest. Or it's coming at the cusp of going into that rest. But you are going to receive a third witness. And it's going to be a witness while you're in your rest that releases you from your rest. And that witness puts you into action. That witness will put you into action to actually know what you're doing, do it, move on it, and God's instructing you along the way. All right? Um, so does everybody understand that we move by witness? That's how we know we know what the plan is to do, because we move by witness. And that was really enlightening to me, because I'm a doer. So if I already see it, I'm going to what? do it. If I get a client and they want to buy a house, I'm going to get it what? Under contract. If I'm showing them houses, they're going to buy a house, right? And now I've had to change my whole way. I can't just sell a house. I really have to be led by now God's way by witness. You can apply this to your work. You apply this to your family. You apply this to everything. You move by witness. All right. The next question I asked myself then, because the witness 
and rest, we are really trusting God and waiting on that third witness. What do we need to do? So while we're going through this waiting for, we have our faith saving faith, we're in faith with rest, we're waiting for that faith in action. What are we doing continually and what is happening continually through this process? We're going to go with the next one. All right. You see these two words up here? After we've been saved and we're moving and faith is moving us, the witness already moved us towards the renewing of our soul with that word. And we're going to go with the theme, no debt, right? So our souls understanding we're not to get in debt. Our souls understand we're supposed to be the lender, not the borrower. Okay. Well, in that, I'm going to be what? Tested. There is a test of love that enters in to the time my soul is being renewed. And there is a test of love, which is testing our soul to see if we're going to stand on the faith of that word. And so tests come up. We experience tests. Go to James 1, 2, 4. James 1, 2. There is a testing of our soul that we have to go through. James 1, 2, 4. It says, or to five, consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and, okay, so you're going to experience what? Everybody's going to experience a trial. But you know what the trial is in the soul? In the soul, it's the changing of your mind. It's an inner, it's an inner changing of your mind. It's an inner trial. Am I going to accept the word of God or am I going to go out and charge up my card? Am I going to really work on my debt or am I going to go out and spend money? And then you're in a store and you want to buy that camera, you know, and you're looking at that $80, but you don't need that camera, but that $80 could go towards your debt and you're having to deal with where's the battle in the soul. So then there becomes a test of love. Do I need that $80 or am I going to trust God? And so you have to make a choice. Okay, so the testing of the soul is going to be in a trial in your mind. And then it's going to be proving of your faith, bringing out endurance, steadfastness, and patience. That's the purpose of when we're in that, go back to the chart. The purpose of when we are in this position is we are going to be tested in choosing the word of God and we are waiting for our our witness and we are maturing and renewing this mind because we're dealing with an inner, an inner war. I love this. And then you know what we feel? Pain. And I use camera because Robin's very first time when she came to live with me and she was going through this, she wanted to buy an $80 camera. And when she went to go buy this $80 camera, the conviction in her mind It went crazy. It went crazy. Even though God was trying to get her a camera, but she wasn't too, God didn't, she didn't have in her spirit that she was even to buy a camera. So she was working on her flesh and she bought the camera, right? And she then got in the car and felt so horrible because God didn't tell her she was getting a camera. God did not tell her to go get a camera. And what did you do? She took it back. She took the conviction, took the camera back. Now, isn't that awesome? Because our soul has it, and it was painful. She came home, she was crying. I really want a camera. Do you know what I mean? And I know I felt bad for her because she was pregnant, going to have a baby. She really wanted a camera. But I kept telling her, 
don't do what your flesh wants. Submit it unto God, and God will bring you a camera. And Carrie brought her camera. That's awesome, okay? But isn't that beautiful? God already knew she was getting a camera, so he wants to get you off your trial, and he's going to do it by making you do something that you know you shouldn't do, okay? These are awesome examples. All right, the second thing we have to do, okay, so our love is going to be tested, but it's tested in the soul and making the right choice. It's so awesome because God loves us so much. He he doesn't want us to mess up. He wants us to choose him and pass that test because, boom, we move faster out of that phase. All right, when you already pass not buying the camera, right, Robin goes in faith of rest, Rima is in her faith of rest, right? I love these examples. While you're in your rest, there's only one thing that you're called to do. He already said, fear not, stand still. But what can you do during that time? Commune with the Father. Pray, worship, talk about God. Don't talk about your problems. Don't talk about your trials. Talk about the goodness of God. Worship him. Be joyful. Okay, in the in what you don't have, be joyful, love people and don't get worried about what's going on with people. Just commune with God during this time. Isn't it beautiful? We are just to commune with God. Go to John four one John four fifteen. This is a time where we pray, we meditate and we worship. I have three scriptures. One John four fifteen. Um. At 4.15. Do you not have it? Praise God. Okay, I have it. I'll, I'll read it out. If you don't have it. 1, 1 John 4.18. Oh, I guess it's 18. <laughs> I'm not sure if it really is. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm thrown off now. <laughs> There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doers and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love is not yet grown up in love's complete perfection. And this is saying that we're not supposed to have what? If we are being tested in love and we are spending time with the Father, there is no fear because he is trying to grow you up, complete and perfect that love that turns fear out and expels any trace of untrust. And that's what he's doing this time. He's trying to expel everything that you, he wants you to trust God to bring the camera, to give you the witness, to do all that. So it's awesome. So as we commune with the Father, John 14, 16. John 14, 16 says, and I will ask the Father. Okay, this is what Jesus is our intercessor. In the rest, Jesus is talking to what? As we're praying, he's he's interceding with the Father. He's saying, I and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, a counselor, a helper, an intercessor, an advocate, strengthener, and a standby, that he may remain with you forever. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. In your rest, you're communing through your Holy Spirit. John 14, 23. John 14, 23. John 14, 23 says, Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, 
he will keep my word, obey my teaching, and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home abide special dwelling place with him. When we're communing with the father, when we're meditating on the word, worshiping, do you know the Holy Spirit is increasing in you? And when it increases, Jesus is sanctifying his home here. And then he's, re- he's making it where the father can live in our what? Soul. Where the father instructs us what to do in our, we're growing that in our rest. And then when we receive, there will be no sorrow in our receiving. We will have no sorrow in our receiving. So he wants to make that special home. That's the purpose of the rest, of being in that rest and communing with the father in the rest. So he can create not only the Holy Spirit, but a home in your soul where you live, breathe, speak, move with the word of God. All you have to do is stand on that word because that word has what? More power than anything we could say. Anything we can choose to do. It has more power. So if you can go back to that chart, Todd. I love this. We're almost done. So is that awesome? So everybody understands this process, correct? That this is what's happening. All backed up by the word of God. Okay. This all sounds so great. Okay. But we're going to touch on the last thing. It's what can hold us back. Because if it, it, I would love it to be this easy that we don't have any adversaries, temptations, and oppositions. But we've got to know what can pull us out of this flow. What can stop us from hearing the voice of the witness? What can stop us from communing with the Father? What can stop us to get out of our faith? All right? And this is what we're going to move in. Next chart. All right. There are three things that we have to deal with now. Adversary, tempter, and opposition. All right? But they come at different times. They come at different times. The first one comes when the soul is being renewed. What is the adversary? The adversary is the battle within our mind. It's an inner trouble. It's a war. We are warring with the word of God. And we experience outside pain. Think about this. This man here has the spirit of God, but he has a lot of what around him? Flesh. So he's very open to what? The adversary. The adversary does not want you to advance in the things of God. He wants to come in like you're coming in and you're learning word today. An adversary would come the moment you walked out the door and caused you to what? Start speaking all this other stuff that has nothing to do with today's lesson to get you not to focus on what you learned today. The adversary comes to steal, kill, and destroy the word of God. And it works every time. My first time coming here, I didn't understand what was going on. Instead of, instead of talking about what I learned in here, I talked about what I didn't think was good in here. How many of you have done that? <laughs> I mean, when you experience something different than the Episcopal Church, I'm watching everything that was going on. So what did I want to talk about? What was different between this church and that church, but I wasn't focusing on the word of God. That's how the adversary comes in, makes you go out that door, start gossiping, start talking, talk about your day, talk about other people, gets you off of thinking about the word of God. So it happens. The adversary comes. He comes to all of us to steal, kill, and destroy right at the time when God is trying to get something planted in this soul. So the adversary comes, and you notice I didn't put an arrow down. You notice I only put one arrow up, right? Because when we're communing with the Father, it's back and forth. 
It's back and forth. But we don't want to what? We don't want to commune with the adversary. <laughs> the adversary comes to us, and, you know, we are all susceptible to it because everybody has darkness that they're, they're renewing. Their, their new creation is growing out, the darkness that tries to attack them. Nobody's void. We get better at it. We get better at not getting attacked by the adversary. So the adversary, I love it, is the liar. It's the thing that gets us to not think about the word of God. It gets us to think on its own. It causes us to yield to our old ways and not the new ways God is teaching us. And in the adversary, the trial comes with just a thought. And that thought starts cycling itself, cycling itself, and that's all you think about. And then finally, you got to start doing what? Speaking that thought, speaking that thought. And there's no power. There's no power in it at all. It only satisfies your flesh, but only for a moment. And I love an adversary. I mean, because what he does, he beats you so much down with the rotation of the thought that you're exhausted physically. After you, I remember when Carrie first went through it. Carrie came in here. He had so much question, and he wanted to fight the word and fight the word. He would pace this place and pace this place. Carrie was very physical with how his mind was working. <laughs> and he tells this story all the time, right? He would walk it and walk it, and he would come out, and you'd feel what when you left the building? Physically exhausted. Because that's what the adversary wants to do, wear us out. So we're not focusing on what? The growing of the word. We're not focusing on trying to hear the what? The witness. We're not even looking what test we're in because he gets us off base. So everybody understands the adversary, right? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. All right, awesome. In the rest... Okay, so now you get through the adversary. You get this. You, you're, you're in your rest. You're now in your rest. You're getting healed. Here you got delivered from all the lies. Now you're in your rest. So you're in your rest, and you're loving God, and you're getting this faith thing, and everything's awesome. You even heard a witness, the witness that made you enter into your rest, and you start communing with God. And then what happens? Temptation. Matthew chapter 11, or chapter 4, verse, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. You'll love this, Dr. Lee. This is the temptation. I love it because even Jesus had to go through all of this. Even Jesus had to go through this. Then Jesus was led, guided by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was in his what? Rest at this time. He's already been called to do his ministry, and he's in his rest waiting for his what? release to start his ministry because we're all growing in to start our what ministry everybody in here has got to ministry that they've got to do then jesus was led guided by the holy spirit guided by the spirit his first what witness right to be tempted i love this to be tempted tested and tried by the devil and he went without food for 40 days and 40 nights and later he was hungry and the tempter came and said to him, if you are God's son, command these stones to be made loaves of bread. Next one. But he replied, it has been written, man shall not live and be upheld and sustained by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Now, I love this. Who, what did, so what did he stand on? The word. What had power? The word. Okay. So in his rest. He kept standing on the word. 
Then the devil took him into the holy city and placed him on a turret, a pinnacle gable of the temple sanctuary. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, now think about this. The tempter says that to us. If you're the son of God, if you're the daughter of God, if you're, think about this. And then pride starts setting in. I am the son of, I am a son of God, right? And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will give his angels charge over you and they will bear you up on their hands lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written also that you shall not tempt, test thoroughly or try exceedingly the Lord your God. Again, I love this. He stood on the word. He's in his rest. Okay, he's getting some mighty big challenges here. Again, the devil took him up on a very high mountain. So what's happening? I love this. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. He is building this guy up, right? Again, the devil took him higher on a mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory and the splendor, the magnificence, the preeminence and the excellence of the world. And he said to him, the the earthly kingdoms, he said to him, these things all taken together, I will give you if you prostrate yourself before me and do homage and worship me. That Satan's saying, I'm going to make you in charge of all this stuff that I can make you in charge of. He says, then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, be gone. All right, I'm done with this. For it has been written. It has been what? Written. We have got to stand on the word that God gives us from the beginning because that word is power. You shall worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve. Then what happened? The devil departed from him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. You know, we get worn out in in that period of rest because in our rest, we're comfy we're communing with God, and then the tempter comes in trying to get us out of our rest. And he only comes when he knows you're about to do what? Receive the promise. So he's got to come three times. Temptation comes to us when we know we're not supposed to what? Be getting ourselves in debt. We get around people who say, hey, why don't you buy a new car? Hey, why don't you do this? No, the word says that I shall be the lender and not the borrower. The word says, I shall not, I shall not, um, I shall love only but to, not to have debt, but to love. And so when we stand on those words, Satan has to what? Flee, because my car is what? Coming. My house is coming. My camera's coming. Whatever you're wanting to get in debt for, and you feel that urge to start to seek it, what's coming? That promise. But he can't hand you the promise until you've been tested in love. Okay? You have to go through the, even Jesus had to go through the temptations. Now, isn't that awesome? All right. And then there's the last section. The last thing that comes in. So the tempter comes, go back to the screen. Thank you. Go back. Thank you. So the tempter comes in our rest. And in our rest is when we're getting healed. You know, we're, we're vulnerable in the rest. It's like open heart surgery during the rest time. So we are definitely not to yield to any temptation during that time. I love it because when Carrie was going through that time, a bunch of guys came to him 
from his old ministry and said, hey, let's go on a skiing trip. But Carrie wanted to go in his flesh, but really deep down, you knew you weren't supposed to go, right? And he went on that trip, and it was hard when he came back, remember? Because even when we get tempted in our rest, we still have to be reeled what? Back into the path, and we'll experience some pain. There'll be some pain in that. All right, so the last one is opposition. Opposition comes when your faith is in action and you are right about to receive that promise. And it says, Galatians 5, 16, 17. What is an opposition? An opposition is an outside accusation, an outside trouble. Things are going on all around you, but they don't bother you at all inside. You truly have peace. When you were in the trial, you had inner what? Inner battle and trouble and trials were going around you and you didn't know how to work with it. In an opposition, you've already come to the end of your rest and you're ready now to move in what? Action. And when you're in that rest and you're moving into that action, I'm going to tell you when God tells you to do something and you're supposed to do it and you're about to move into that, nothing bothers you, even though everybody's bothering, seems to be bothered with you. It's awesome place to be. You can have a million people not being happy around you, but you are in total peace because you know you're about to be what? Receiving something because it wouldn't have come. I love this. God gives us the signs knowing what position we're in. Everybody in here should leave tonight knowing, am I in the rest? Am I am, you know, where are you in this chart? You can tell just by, am I Am I having pain on the inside and turmoil? You know that means you're in a trial and an adversary. But if you know that you're in an opposition and peace is in you, but craziness is all around you, praise God. <laughs> because you are about to receive. I mean, you get excited. And we're all encouraged here to coach everybody through this. Galatians 5, 16, 17. And we're almost done. Galatians 5, 16, 17. Huh? You really don't have that one? Really, really, really? Okay. I will read it. Hold on. Galatians. Hold on. I'll have to open it up. I'm actually doing good. I don't teach with the screen that much because I, I don't think I can keep up with it. it. But think about it. It really did save a lot. Galatians 5, 16, 17. I will read it. It says, but I say... Walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so when opposition's happening and you're moving towards, you're in faith that has action, walk and live in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. That means while you're in faith that action, know that the Spirit is what? Leading you. Because you're going to experience in that action time opposition. So you have to know you know that third witness released you. You have to know. If that third witness didn't release you, when the opposition comes, are you going to feel it on the inside? Yes. You only get released when the Lord knows you're only going to experience the peace inside. Do you get it? He wouldn't release you. He wouldn't give the third release, the third witness. If you were going to be in faith of action and you weren't going to be able to handle 
the opposition because the opposition comes like a what? Flood. And if you're not in that third witness release, then it's going to what? It's going to hurt you because you haven't gotten healed yet. And you're going to let it bury you. And that happens to us. We all experience that. I remember as I was growing through this, there was one time I lost it. I was, I, I moved in faith and action and I shouldn't. The opposition came. I was a mess. <laughs> I had to reel myself back into what? Rest. And it hurt. It felt harder to do it. It says, it continues to read, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings of your own desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit. Anytime you're experiencing opposition and the Lord has released you in your third witness in faith and action, when he released you in that, he knows you're going you're gonna to experience more opposition. Look at Jesus. It's almost amazing. When Judas was the witness that released him into his faith and action, he had to have faith because he knew he was just going to walk to a cross and now be what? Crucified. When Jesus started walking and carrying that cross, he was in his faith with what? Action. That means he had to know he was dying and he had to die for the salvation of our soul. He was in, in that period, faith of action. He was out of his rest and he was going to experience all the opposition, people spitting on him, people chewing him out, people telling him he was wrong, people telling him he had to deal with it, not just with people. He had to deal with, with, with authority, people in government authority. He had to deal with the Pharisees, everybody telling him, but did he, did he, did he receive it? No, because inside he knew that his father told him that he had to do this. So he kept moving faith and action to save us. He showed us this process to save us from ourselves. That if we could recognize this, when we know that we're moving on God and God releases us to do it, people can spit on us. They can treat us bad. That we could be carrying the cross. We could be taking the fall, but we don't say what? Anything. We walk in love. We keep walking towards what God tells us to do. Take the beating. Take the beating. I cannot say that enough. First time I had to take the beating, and I remember sitting there, and Jean, the first rotation I took to taking the beating, I was like, you have, I do not deserve this. You have got to be kidding, you know, because I didn't feel that I was wrong. But it doesn't make a difference. Was Jesus wrong? No. But it's that stage of faith and action that you've got to what? Get through to receive the promise of God. And it's so hard because our mind can't grip it until we actually go through it the first time. That first transition, when you go through that, at the end, you receive more Christ in you. You receive that measure of Christ in you. That's the receiving, the salvation of your soul, where he now dwells in here, and you know exactly how to be the next time. That doesn't mean you still do it right the next time, you get better at it every time you do it. We get better at it because every time we grow, we grow another measure of him. It's beautiful. The spirit are opposed to the flesh for these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other so that you are not free, but you're prevented from doing what you desire to do. I love this. The spirit 
is so pure in each and every one of us. Every one of us has the pure spirit. Our flesh is not. But when you're building in spirit, I'll tell you right now, the man who's here and this man, if they're in the same room, they both love God, right? But what's feeling irritated in this man? His flesh. Because they war. They war. We're taught to go through this process of God's way so we know how to get through it. We can recognize what's happening to us. And then we do what? John 4, 7 says what? Submit to God. Submit to his way. Resist the what? The devil. Okay? And I love this. We taught in Train to Rain. The devil can work through the person you love the most. The devil can work through your best friend. Because we all have a measure of darkness in us. So sometimes we want to pair up with somebody and think that they're really close to us. And then before you know it, they're going to say something that what? Hurts you, but it's an appointed time. Because the moment you feel that pain, you're supposed to what? Submit it to God and let God do the change and start walking in this path. I love it. Isn't that awesome? All right. Can you please go back to the final chart, Todd, please? Okay, we're wrapping this up. Wrapping this up. Was this good? Okay. Because we have to know that God is trying to get each and every one of us to a certain place. So now here's the end. Now that we've learned that we have a path we have to walk, we can only do it by faith. We have to know to be led by witnesses. We have to, what's the highway? Staying in communion with him. Staying in worship. That's the only thing that keeps you high. In fact, that's high on the chart because that's the only thing that keeps you floating above this stuff. Okay? And then you know how to deal with the adversary. You know it's coming. You know the tempter's going to what? Come. You know the opposition's going to come. And then you receive the promise of the word, the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. You claim the cup of authority. Because once you believe that word, I know I'm not supposed to get in debt. And so guess what? I carry a what? A crown of authority on that word. Because I will not, and I can help anybody get out of debt by helping them learn the what? The word of God and coaching them through their adversary, coaching them through their tempters, coaching them through and sticking to the word of God. I loved it when I first started coaching Wendy. She started saying, I don't understand you. She would write that back to me. I said, stick to the word. Anybody who's talked to me, I say, stick to the word. They don't understand it, but guess what? When you get through the rotation, you go what? Aha. Uh -huh. You go, it's an aha. It's an all moment with God. That's death of yourself, burial of the old, old man, resurrection of the new man, because you have a relationship now with God. And this doesn't happen once. It's happening all the time. So here's the outcome. The outcome is this, the end of our faith, the promise of receiving. And I will tell you, the hardest challenge that the Lord did give me was getting out of debt. And I'll never forget where I received the instruction. The spirit rose in me, and I heard that I had to come to zero. And I knew it. I, I didn't know what that meant. And then in time, the Lord showed me all the scriptures. And then he said, by prayer and supplication, that I needed to list it out and give it unto him. And then all of a sudden, I remember the first time that the Lord moved me through, I've gotten to that faith, saving faith. And then I was renewing my mind. And then I entered into the rest. And, I had, and the Lord asked me to do some really big stuff that caused me that did not make any sense. 
he asked me to sell my million dollar house with my payoff for 490 and give it away for that, for my payoff. And all I kept on hearing is something came out of my spirit in the shower when the Lord told me I was going to come to zero. I was in the shower and I heard a question asked to me, do I want the house? I said, I do not want the house. And then that was it. And then all of a sudden a couple, a ministry couple come to me and they say, hey, you need to be our realtor and you need to, and, and you need to help us find a house because God showed us we're going to get a million dollar house for half a million dollars. I said, okay. And I wasn't thinking of my house because my house wasn't what? For sale. <laughs> I was living in it. And I didn't have a problem with it. And then when I got in my car, I heard the inner spirit say, show them your house. I spoke out loud back to God and said, my house isn't for sale. They can't afford it. I wasn't even thinking, right? I was just going along. And then all of a sudden, it was so amazing. I was putting bids on houses for these people, but I wasn't listening to God. I was putting in bids, and we weren't getting anything. The man called me one morning. This was my second witness. He called me in the morning. I'm in my rest. I'm in my transferring. And he said to me, Lee, I had a vision. You, I handed you a bag of gold, and you handed me keys to a house. And you said God wanted me to have it. Oh, my God. I really, I started feeling my spirit started to what? Rise. I was like, oh, my God, I think I have to share this guy my house. Okay? And then I ran into Gene. I told Gene about it. Gene told me to slow down. Okay? But I didn't get my third release until I drove up into my house after work. I'm looking at the house, talking to the realtor because they had another realtor. And that realtor had to release the client to me because they said, we have to stay with you. And they, he already had a buyer agreement with them. So I said to the realtor, I said, hey, what do you want? I'll give you whatever you want. But I know I have to work with these clients. She goes, you can have them. They think God's going to give them a million dollar house. She was, they were talking, talking, talking. She said, God thinks they're going to give them a million dollars. You are never selling them anything. Good luck. You can have them. On the house, I showed them. If you sell them, that give me 15%. I said, okay. And then she goes, you know, Lee, I know you really well. I can't imagine you taking a client like this. You're going to spend a lot of time, waste your time. And I was like, yeah. She goes, I know. She lived in Southbridge. She goes, I know where you live. I know your house. And then she said, would you give them your house? Oh, my God. I mean, I was, I was immobilized in my car looking at the house because that was my third witness, and I knew it. I knew it. I called the man up. I said, meet me at 53 Crestwood Drive. He was like, you found a house? I said, yep, I found one. He doesn't even know it's my house. He meets me in the front. He, his wife gets out of the car. I don't think God's going to give us this <laughs> for half a million. I said, well, come on. I know the people. I didn't tell them it was me. I started touring around the house. She's looking at everything. I, I, you know what? The other house, we have a better chance on that other house. I was like, no, keep going, keep going. We get to the back building, carriage, you know, set up and pool. And we're sitting there. And then she just is like, well, if God wants to give us his house, well, we got to close in something. They had to move in a week. I said, and then the spirit landed on us. And I said, it's your house if you want it. My payoff's 498. And then we just started crying. We came in here. Gene wanted to meet them. The spirit hit me so hard. Gene is my test. I think I cried for 48 hours. The love of God poured upon me. And I was in total. I was wasted in the love of God. But you know what? That wasn't the end. My adversary, my tempter, and my opposition came throughout the whole thing. And it, the adversary was like, should I be giving this house up for four? I mean, that kept cycling me. But guess what proved to me that I wasn't to do it, that I was to do it? 
he actually came, cashed out $100,000 of gold, and he handed me a check for $100,000. He said, now I'm doing my part. I have to give you $100,000. And I was like, oh, okay, you know. And then he said, and you're going to hand me, I, I told him who I was, and he said, you'll hand me the keys. So that was wow, right? Then we get to the closing one week. I have moving vans moving me out into another house. And praise God, the attorney who knows me, first story told me, are you crazy? I know your house. What are you doing? You're not even default, blah, blah, blah. Steve Jackson. You know Steve? Steve, it was just wow for him. And then he said to me, but we got a problem. I said, what? You have a lien on this house for $24,000. Okay, opposition. Because I already got through all the temptation of not selling the house. Got through all the adversary. But when I, I had my headphones on, moving vans, moving my stuff, I told the people, go ahead and move in. I said, we'll close on Monday. And I just kept worship God because I just turned around. I'm in, this, I'm in the room by myself. And I said, God, if you told me to give away this house and this man gave me gold and blah, 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 I am talking to the air, right? I said, well, then you have this answer. You have this answer. I'm not worried about it. So when I moved that night, I worshiped the next morning in the other house I moved into. And that morning, I heard the man, I heard the voice of the Lord say, Joe, because I asked the Lord, what's the answer? What's the answer? This is their house. He said, Joe. And I was like, all right, Joe's got my answer. Whoever Joe is, I don't have to do anything. I just stand, trust in him, and I just know that somehow a man named Joe is going to enter my life. So I come in here because I have no internet to get on the internet. I pull up the internet, and there's an email from Ameris Bank, the bank that has my loan note. And he says, hey, this house did not close on Friday. Your payment is due. <laughs> I started laughing. And he says, but let us know what happened. So I was like, and then at the bottom of the email, guess what the name, man's name was? Joe, vice president of blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay, this is crazy. So I write him back. I said, I remember, what do I say? The truth. So I typed out the whole truth. Look, sold this house for the payoff, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. Don't know what to do, but I'll send you my payment on, I'll send you my payment on Monday. Go home, skip, unpacking boxes, doing whatever. Come back in to check my email because I had no email. I didn't have a phone that had my email at the time. Go back into my, go back into the office on Sunday. Joe writes me back on a weekend. <laughs> I was so shocked. I have these emails. Joe says to me, so, you, so do you want to close on this house? Because here's the deal. I thought this option. He said, give me a call. So I said, okay. I called him. He answers his phone on a Sunday. He said to me, we bought your note. When Taylor Bean and Whitaker was a big financial house fell, we bought your mortgage note for 70000 less than what you really owe us. So if we close on this house, we make $50,000, we will cover your $24,000. <laughs> I stood and I was like, okay, God is good. And guess what the lien was? The lien wasn't even mine. It was my sister's lien on a business we owned together. And she had it paid down to $7,000, but they could not in one day, get the IRS to verify what was due. So Steve told me, Lee, if you close on this, you got to bring $24,000 to the IRS. And here their, their lock was up. All the pressure, all the pressure was on to just cancel this whole thing. And then it was so funny because I was like, are you for real? And Joe said, yeah, we make $50,000. We'll cover your 24. It's not our money. It's really not our money. It's not real. I was like, okay. He said, get the HUD to write zero, close on it on Monday. 
Got it all done, closed it, a check for $24,000, went to the IRS. And it was funny, my sister only owed $7,000 on that business. So $7,000 went to that, and guess what came back to me? The difference. Isn't that awesome? I got the difference back. God is so good that when you stand on his word, that he and you follow his instruction and stay in your rest. I didn't even try to figure out anything when they told me the lien was on the house. That's how fast everything. God moves what? Quickly. When he released me to show them the house, faith in action was one week. Boom. But I didn't have to go out and find Joe. I didn't have to go out and figure it out. You know what I mean? It all came to me. And then you know what God did for me after that? My worship increased. He took me up in the heavens. I went into other realms. And then he cleared all my debt. It was like, because I asked the Lord, what was that? And he said to me, you built that house in love, but now you're going to release it in my love. And now watch what I'm going to do for you. I was out of debt in one year. And, it, and Carrie was even a witness to some of the end of this. Everything I had to sell, what was the end of the paper? The Lord said I had to come to what? Zero. Everything I sold came to zero. I had people pay off debt, money come to me, things shift, and I stood in my rest. And you know what? That's the power. It's not in my words. It's in his word. And when we get a hold of this in our marriage, in our finances, in our relationships, and we get a hold of this in anything God's instructing us to do, and it's in his word, when you stand on it and you believe and you wait through this, and I wasn't even taught this chart then. Gene created this chart. I mean, he knows about it, but it has, it's been coming to fullness. Man, when he first drew that, I was like, oh my gosh, that happened this, this happened that. And I messed up. There are times I messed up. But ultimately, he had me what? Covered. He covered me every time and gave me better. And I, I believe in all the promise that he has to give everybody in this room. So everybody, who in here is in debt? I believe that you are going to be out of debt as long as you stand on all the word. I know Reem and Richard and I work on their house. And it's not, we have that, whatever's going to happen with that house, we're just standing on God's word together. So when we come together and believe, he is going to perform. So if you get words from God, start the process. Start that, that, start that soul process. Get into your rest. Wait to hear the what? Witnesses, know you're going to get the what? Adversary, know you're going to get tempted not to do it. Know you're going to get tempted or you're going to have the, the opposition come. But when the opposition comes, you are truly trusting God, because I just couldn't believe the things he did for me. And Rachel is my witness. Rachel watched the whole rotation. Rachel had to go through it and not ask questions because this one loves to ask what? Questions. Man, I wouldn't answer her questions. And she would get mad. Mom, what's going on? Don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. She, she flipped through three houses with me in one year moving on God's movement. And that's how we end up in Yellow Bluff. I didn't want to live in Yellow Bluff. God told me to go Live in Yellow Bluff. I'm living in my what in Yellow Bluff? My rest, waiting to see what he's going to do. I don't have to chase it. I don't have to work at it. He will bring it all to me as long as I stand on his word. Praise God. Isn't this exciting? I mean, this is exciting. Everybody knows where you're at. 
And if you have stumbled or failed or fallen into the adversary tempt, do not feel bad. Praise God. You're learning the process. And this is what he says. We will never have dominion until we've mastered love. And it's, you know, not loving other people. Yeah, we're to love other people. It's loving what? Him. It's loving his word. That's, he said, those who love me do what? Follow my word. Believe in my commands. The death of the old man happens at your born again experience. The burial of your old man happens in the trial, which Satan is adverse to because he needs your old character. Satan needs your old person. He doesn't need your new person. Okay. He can't use your old person because you say, go away with me. Go away, Satan. That's your new person. Satan is adverse to it because he needs that to manifest his kingdom. When we bury the old man in the trial by choosing to love God, God's word in lieu of our own word and our flesh, we are resurrected into his rest. He, his rest is where we receive healing as we commune with the Father God. Now Satan comes to tempt us out of our rest before our healing is complete so he can introduce the old man back to us. Do you know Satan's job is to get us back into our old ways? Satan is crafty. In the trial, he comes with anger. In the rest, he comes with like an angel of light. How many times you're in your rest, like especially single people, you're in your rest and all these people want to date you and marry you and you're in your rest, right? And they come like angels of light. <laughs> they look good. It might be good, but they are not your husband, right? All right. I love that. So they come as an angel of light. When you're in your rest, everything looks good in your rest because you're, you're being tested. Recognize the tempter and say, stay in your rest until God releases you out of that rest through a third witness. That witness, you'll know it. It will agree with what's in your spirit. Praise God. At the release, Satan will come again with opposition, accusations, and it will come with power. It will be a party of power. It will just keep hitting you, which, which God knows because he knows you're about to receive your authority, your crown in that arena. It's so beautiful. In receiving the promise that God gave before the trial, whether it was a Rima word or a prophecy, some of you, if you've had a prophecy or you've had that Rima word, that will come to pass at your receiving of the promise. Praise God. It is awesome. When we get a, this is what this ministry is to teach, to help people get through this so they can be the appointed times and become what God has for you to be. We're only happy when we get to that place. So praise, does anybody have any questions? I know that was a lot tonight, but did it, did I make it simple enough? I tried to introduce the layers. I saved the worst for last. <laughs> but those are the ones that we really have to recognize and know the difference. And remember, the one I used to get confused at, what's the difference? What's the difference between an opposition and adversary? An adversary, you're feeling the pain inside and you're experiencing the trial on the outside. An opposition, you are experiencing all the trials on the outside, but guess what? No pain on the inside because you know what you're to do for God. And you don't fear. You stand on his word and you move. So praise the Lord. Yes. How did you know that Joe was? 
Oh. Any joke, because you know that's easy. The Lord did not bring you me. Did not bring you to me. He didn't bring you to me at that time. You didn't even know me. You knew I was just a name to you at that time, right? But anyway, because God will bring it to you. He really brings you the right things. And I can pick many examples, but I chose debt tonight because debt is what God is on debt like you would never believe. I mean, it's intense. He gave me that five years ago and I got out of debt years ago in one year. He is on debt, debt, debt because the time is, there's a grace, a window of grace that's closing. So get your debt clear, get it, yield it. God will do it. He He didn't do that for me because I was special. He does it for all of us because we're all special. We are all special. Praise God. All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us such a wonderful example as your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit, a spirit that knows all, that wants to show us all, believe in all, and guide us into our promise. Lord, thank you for your witnesses. Thank you for the for the women and men of God who that you use to help surround us as a cloud of witness. Lord, open our ears, our eyes, and our spirit to start yielding and staying in our rest. Lord, help us not to move when the tempter comes, the adversary, or the opposition. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful gift of life that you have bestowed on us. And thank you, Lord, for redeeming us from all of our sin and forgiving us and moving us in to being positioned as your glorious sons and daughters of God. Thank you, Lord. Amen.